this spinning circle. I mean, play me a little soft music, show me a few beautiful scenic pictures. Uh, but no, a spinning circle. And that is somehow supposed to help me to be more okay with waiting for my computer to come to life. I mean, many of us waste a ton of time on the computer daily, uh, but we become instantly irate when this starts to happen on our computer. It's as if all that other wasting of time on the computer is minor, but the moment we see this spinning circle, my blood pressure starts rising. It is, it is this brutal reminder that right now I am doing nothing. Right now I am accomplishing nothing. I am spinning my tires. We're going nowhere. This is a write-off for time. And this thing keeps spinning in my face. Okay, okay, some of you have computers by now that are astronomically faster than ours. I get that. Now, bless you. Interesting thing is, interesting thing is that doesn't make you any more patient than me. As a matter of fact, I would guess that perhaps the opposite is happening. Actually, it seems like the more we become used to quickly getting what we want, the less patience we have. I read the story recently of someone, quite a few years ago, of course, that boarded a flight, and upon boarding, this timeline is important, uh, upon boarding, realized that this airline, for the first time, was offering in-flight Wi-Fi. And the person was incredibly excited. All the possibilities that this opened up for them as they traveled. Well, halfway through exactly that flight, which the person had boarded only moments before, not knowing that it would offer in-flight Wi-Fi, they are flying over the ocean, and suddenly the Wi-Fi is incredibly slow. And the person becomes irate because of how slow the Wi-Fi is. And they demanded that the airline give her a refund on the flight because of how slow the in-flight Wi-Fi was. That upon buying the ticket and boarding the plane, she was not even uh, aware was going to exist. That is how much we hate waiting. All logic seems to go out the window when we... When we have to wait, it's a great time of year to watch people in stores. I, I love that a lot more than shopping. Lineups everywhere, and people are exasperated, and they're stepping from one side to the other side, and they're rolling their eyes and tilting their head sideways, pushing and shoving to butt in line and perhaps get to the checkout just a little bit faster because they, they hate waiting. And you go, uh, really? What did you think when you left the house this morning? Did you honestly think there were going to be no lineups today? So let me ask you again. Uh, how do you feel about uh, waiting? Actually, let's ask that question a little different. Uh, how easy is it to wait patiently for something? I read a little quote uh, in preparation for this. It said, patience is not about waiting 
but about keeping a good attitude while you wait. We live in a world that does not do well with waiting. And by now you are wondering, what in the world does all this talk about waiting have to do with Christmas? A few years ago now, I began to see the incredible parallel between the first coming of Jesus, what we're celebrating right now, and what we anticipate the second coming of Jesus to be. See, at the first coming of Jesus, the, the whole Jewish world was waiting. They were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And the two participants in the original Christmas story that I want to highlight very briefly here this morning uh, do a masterful job of illustrating what godly waiting looks like. In some ways, they are unique participants to the Christmas story. And in fact, uh, I would say all of the participants in the original Christmas story are, are somewhat unique participants. Uh, upon closer observation, they appear to be, almost all of them, somewhat curious choices by God to be part of the original Christmas story. We're talking about today Anna and Simeon, two elderly people who it seems have spent their life waiting. And I'm suggesting not just sitting and doing nothing while they wait, not just staring at a, at a computer screen with a turning circle. Um, no, I... I'm suggesting that Anna and Simeon had captured the ability to, to worship in waiting. As many of you know, we have consistently been asking that question this year as we've been heading towards Christmas during this Advent season. Um, what can we learn about worship from the original Christmas story? We're going to keep this relatively short this morning, but let me say it like this. Anna and Simeon, in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 40, teach us to worship while waiting. And to worship while anticipating. Actually, we should probably say, to teach us that waiting is worship. Anticipating is worship. Let me quickly show you two short sections here in Luke chapter 2. Uh, the first one's in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And then you jump a little further down, verses 36 to 38, and it says, There was also a prophet, Anna. She was very old. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. These people represent a multitude of people that were, that were waiting. Waiting and anticipating. They were very well aware that their world was not what they believed it should be. God was not in charge the way that they believed he should be. Good was not winning over evil the way that they believed it should be. Peace was not overruling turmoil. Clarity was not taking care of confusion. And certainty was not doing away with doubt. And hope was not winning over despair. 
And they believed that God was going to do something about all of this. And they were waiting. They believed that somehow God was going to come and make things right. Simeon believed that God was going to bring consolation to Israel. Anna believed that God was going to bring the redemption of Jerusalem. They believed. They were waiting and anticipating and hoping. And those very activities were their act of worship. I know that for many of us, life is absolutely fantastic right now. Things are going well. Life is good. There's so many opportunities and so much to look forward to in life. It's fantastic. Praise God. At the same time, I have to believe that all of us have the ability to take a good objective look at life here on earth. At the fighting and the war and the sickness and the pain and the hurt and the brokenness and the sadness and despair and depression and confusion and doubt and darkness. I don't know about you, but time and again I find myself calling out to God. God, come. Come and set the record straight. You are more powerful than all this stuff that's holding the earth hostage. Surely light is stronger than darkness. Surely hope is stronger than despair. Surely assurance is stronger than doubt. Surely health is stronger than sickness. And life must be stronger than death. Your word says so. So God, come. Come and set the record straight. Come and restore all things to what you intended them to be from the beginning. Show us your power, God. Show us your power, Lord. And so we wait. We wait for the consolation of his kingdom and for the redemption of his people. And today I want to suggest that we learn to worship. Not just while we wait, but that we learn to worship with our waiting. And that we continue to believe. And that we continue to trust. And that we continue to hope. Because God is coming again to restore all things. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Amen.